Flail. Hello and welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Rachel Bowe. This is a Good Girls Guide to podcast and it's been a hot minute. Uh, not really since the podcast has gone up. It actually has been a little bit since I was on vacation. Thank you so much to all of you lovely supporters uh, for making that happen. Uh, but we're back, and I'm going to explain what I mean in here in just a second. So if you are new, which there has been some new growth. Growth. I used to say that in previous episodes, and I'm like, but you're probably not new here. You probably wouldn't just find some obscure, random, Midwestern woman uh, with that regular, not regular, but that cliche 2.5, it's actually 3, uh, kids in a working heterosexual household. <laughs> but we've had some growth, which is really exciting, a lot of fun. So if you are new, hi. Um, I'm sure there hopefully was a previous episode where you kind of got to know me a little bit in my backstory. I do... Uh, um, reiterate this from time to time, but if you're here, hi, and uh, I'm really grateful that you are. So whether that's because you're looking for some content on developing some positive change in your life, if you're here for some intimacy development, if you're here just for fun or whatever, uh, I thank you very much. And uh, what I do like, if it, it, you can, whether it's here, you can do comments on Spotify, or if you're listening through a different platform, you typically can leave comments and things like that. But if you are connected with me on any other social media, like take this podcast and share it someplace. I mean, even if it's just a tag me, I would absolutely love that. Not only are you a community grower with me, right? uh, but then I can just see that you're participating and it also helps drive where content goes because then I know what it is that you're looking for, which is also something I want to talk about today. So there's a link tree in the bio for all the free ways that we can connect and uh, the more experiential ways we connect can connect which is like more one-on-one -on -one with you so whether that's because you're looking for some support or you just need space then I am good at that so thanks all right uh so what I meant earlier about it's been a while it's been a while for me because I <laughs> choke, choke my own horn in the most humble way uh have had committed really really heartfully to business this year, knowing that there was going to be a massive change uh, in all of my 10 years of entrepreneurship. So let's talk about that real quick as well. So uh, if you are new, I have been in business for myself for eight years. I've been self-employed. However, I have been in business um, with, a, uh, with a business, basically, by, by myself for 10 years. I just actually, I'm starting my 11th year, if you can believe that, friends. So yes, I'm really excited and really proud of myself, but mostly just because I've held a job this long. Okay, and it's, it's really not the same job it was 10 years ago, but I digress. It's the same field, and I, I'm actually still partnering with the same company I started with a long time ago, so there is some nuance to that, I think, okay? Uh, 10 years ago, right? And then, uh, like I said, full-time for eight years, and this year, however, so like when I, when I went full-time eight years ago, I just need you to know that um, it was absolutely with the intention to be a full-time entrepreneur, however... I really became a full-time mama and a full-time partner uh, I because that's what I wanted to be and I didn't know it. So I can say now after 11 years that even in times of turmoil and doubt over this last decade, uh, the, the path I chose for my business was exactly what I needed to live the life I wanted to live as a parent and as a partner. So I'm so grateful for that. However, this week was the very first week for uh, summer to be officially over and the kids rolled back into school and my littlest started full-time school and I have not not had a child in the home for 14 years. 14 years because in between my biological children, I full-time watched uh, one of my nieces, which again was the experience of a lifetime, but it also meant that I wasn't a full-time entrepreneur. So all of that to say, friends, that we are in the first week celebration of 
that. I am being, not only am I able to claim, but I am choosing to proclaim my full-time entrepreneurship and getting to see where that goes. So many more hours that I can dedicate to the the business um, and then find work balance life. So the reason that I brought up the change is that at the beginning of this year, uh, which would have been January 2023, I committed to batch work. So if you're not familiar with batch working, it is a lifesaver, especially for an ADHDer or a part-time business owner. Batch work, and it's good just for efficiency and consistency, whether you're full-time or part-time. But batch work basically is that you just do work in batches. Like literally it is what it is. And the reason this works so well for like an ADHDer is because if you haven't caught on to your neurospiciness, um, one thing that I have found works very consistently for a lot of people who suffer with routine and habits is having high energy days and low energy days. And I'm not going to claim that I made this up. I actually saw it on a TikTok and I just feel like it aligns with, at least with my energy, uh, that I can't be predictable. And the reason I'm going to take that one step further back actually is that I came across a TikTok maybe a year or two ago that really set me free in my scheduling and my commitments. Uh, being self-employed, you might not know that you struggle or you might know you struggle with fear of money because like with a, a corporate job I even say like what we're talking about today but I'm just letting you know this is typical of Rachel right but this is actually what we're talking about it's kind of a recap of where I'm at and the fact that it's been we're in month nine right in month eight it's been eight months since I've like connected like I, through the batch work that's where I'm going so I just wanted to kind of clue you in real quick about where where this podcast was okay so Anyhow, the reason batch work works so well for Rach is because on a high energy day, typically, uh, this would also be uh, the week that you're ovulating if you are somebody who does have a cycle because you feel powerful. You actually have extra testosterone in your system, so you're probably going to be more productive. I love to do batch work because I can do five five days, five to seven days of just work, 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 and I don't want to stop, and I feel really good. And even after I've done work, I have energy to clean the house, and I have energy to hang out with my children, and I have energy to be present for my partner. So that's a great work. work Work week. It's a great time to do work and also being able to deconstruct that work is daily. Like uh, it should flow with energies of the week. Okay. So that is really good to know, right? Because on a week, like, um, the week before a menstruation or the week of menstruation and men, I know you're like, but what about me? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that again, through my experience, it's been that men typically cycle 24 hours and it makes so much sense because a lot of you, majority of you are able to get up in the morning and get going. Most of you, I think that's probably again, non-neurotypical people, or that would be neurotypical people. But anyways, uh, it, you could do your routine and then you come home and for a lot of men, you could just hit the head to the bed. I don't think that's the phrase, but then you pass right out. Now you're not telling everybody and some women can do that, but this is my experience is the majority in our society fall into these categories, right? So for me on a day where I have low energy, I'm still going to do the bare minimum things that it takes to make my business be successful and to run a household even. It's not just limited to working. Like this is all energy. So you don't overcommit to anything. I I know that on my lower energy days, I don't really want to coach. Not because I don't want to connect with humans. I actually do want to connect extra with humans. Uh, and But my in my own way, I don't want to be a coach because I don't feel like I, energetically speaking, I'm probably in the best space to be able to hold space, right? So batch work is great. On days that I have low energy, uh, I'm not great about not beating myself up about not doing a lot of work for the day because it doesn't feel normal not to be working, especially if there's nobody else in the house. Like I have my office to myself kind of thing. Um, You got to detach from some of that as well, right? But then 
on low energy days, you can do whatever it is that you need to. I mean, I, again, cannot relate to what men may or may not need, but I know for a lot of women, you just need rest. It's not even that you need to sleep. I had somebody comment on my TikTok or a YouTube video the other day where a guy was like, oh, so the eating bonbons and watching TV uh, cliche is true. And I was like, to an extent, but you know, that's, that's a criticism of domestic labor and running a household in general. That's not that's not giving grace to the weak of a bleed for a woman who owns a vulva or anybody who or anybody who cycles. So just take that with the grain of salt. Okay. So batch work. That's what I was doing at the beginning of 2023 is that wanting to make sure that I was prepping my business for full time and wanting to make sure that I was connecting with my clients and uh, maintaining a present figure while figuring out two high school lives at the end of a pre-k year which would have been you know at the beginning of 2023 so anyways just managing life and being able to have a business at the same time so batch work is great and so all of that to say um eight minutes and 45 seconds into this podcast that i haven't recorded an actual podcast since q1 it's been it's been it's been at least six months since i've sat down to do i mean look at the last podcast and see how much blonde i had in my hair uh and then you can see where the the regrowth is now now it's August. So uh, I highly recommend batch work. The only fear I had to get out of some batch work, I don't batch work ever. I like my daily content postings on social media. Those are all organic. Number one, I know that, does there music playing someplace? I touched my ear. My, I, I don't know if you could hear that, but there was this thing called Linky Box playing on Spotify because <laughs> my daughter loves that. So I'm so sorry, but a uh, real life moment right there. Okay, so now we have squirreled ourselves out of where the F we were talking about. We're talking batch work. Batch work, lifesaver, right? Uh, so what I wanted to do today was an actual check-in, like a, an up-to-date check-in. Like I want to talk about like what I did all summer. I, w- I would like to know what you did all summer. Okay. Uh, but I do want to talk about some revelations that's happened uh, in congruency with growth and hopefully just maybe some lessons that you may be able to learn. And what's not ironic, of course, is that all of the things that have happened to me, for me, uh, along the way in this last six months that I haven't recorded anything. I was talking about daily content. Um there, I'm not surprised because everything happens for a reason for Rach, at least that this is where I'm sitting at today with some revelations. Okay. So what I was talking about earlier about batch working is that like, there are some things like, so you might know this as like other people will actually pay other people to do this, like having personal assistants or virtual assistants that are uploading their content. Eventually I'd like to get to a place where I have somebody editing my stuff so that, I mean, that's very time consuming and it's not that it's not something I don't like to do, but I do think that somebody else could be better at a lot of things for my business. But my, my business is the epitome of an ADHD over the last 10 years that I can chef's kisses validated my existence and identity with a label. So get over it, Rach. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so at the beginning, let's see, or I don't even know really Oh, I'll go back to the content one more time. Squirrel moment. Can I give you a spoiler alert that one of the things I'm going to tell you about is that I went back to uh, talk therapy, which was completely necessary for me. And um, at the year of 37, I do have my, I'm going to air quote, official diagnosis of ADHD uh, because the counselor or therapist that I'm seeing is not a psychiatrist. And so the only way to get your official on the books diagnosis with the potential of seeking medication is to see a psychiatrist. And right now I'm cool with existing with a label and I'm figuring out how that identifies for me. But that's why I, I mean, I just want it's like almost giving myself grace to you in terms of sometimes feeling a little insecure about the squirreliness that is my mind and presentation through my business. However, um, not only does that connect with people I know very heavily, like that's part of a lot of my client base tends to be people who have very 
similar energetic fields is all that I'm going to say about that. When it comes, that's on, we're squirreling back to this original. When it comes to daily content, I'm not, I don't know if it's about a sense of control, honestly, that I, I don't want to give control up to somebody else to run my business. Uh, the, the daily content's really intentional. I pick out the clips every single day that go up. Um, I usually have to re-listen to them because I don't necessarily know what, you know, the content was, uh, that snippet of whatever I was capturing at the moment. But I get to re-listen to it and potentially through a different perspective even. I don't always even remember who I was coaching in the moment, but then I get to be very intentional about how I'm framing this perspective and how I'm uploading it and the captions and the hashtags that will go with it in terms of the people I want it to see. So right now my daily postings are still me. Those are still for me. There's just, they're still for me. There's not, really there's not any work that I I pay out for it right now anyways. However, I'm just talking about batch work. Like there's some things that I had to get over with batch work that would lead me to feel borderline ingenuine by doing them. And one of those right now is having some, like a VA do my, my posting. And so I had to get over like what I was concerned with was like doing content of podcasting was like, oh, well, what if I film something in January and it's completely out of tone by November if I've uploaded it. So that combined with the realization I had mentioned previously that I didn't get to because I was a squirrel, right? Is like, you can't pre-schedule your energy. Even for ADHDers, this really hit the hit nail on the head for me because what I was struggling with is like, why am I not like forecasting work for myself for six to nine months out from now? Like I would feel more secure if I had stuff on the books six to nine months from now so that I knew that stuff was coming in. As a self-employed person, you know, you have to get really secure with self, you have to get really secure that money and opportunities are always going to flow in if you if you want to, by the way. Uh, and then you don't have to even I, – I don't schedule work any further out than 60 days right now. Any further out. And that's just like in-home parties that I still do. But like when I when I decided to do a podcast filming today, like I knew I was doing a podcast this week, but I didn't know when it was going to be. And so when the energy felt right to sit down and do the podcast, I wanted to sit down and film the podcast. And so I don't know if you'll be able to rely uh, align with that, but there was a lot of relief that I gave myself in accepting that I shouldn't pre-schedule my energy that far out because I won't know how I'll feel. It's not even necessarily about what's going on in my life. Like you can absolutely look around and see like potentially if you got a vacation or whatever. But my my kids stuff, their school stuff, their assemblies, their their presentations, those are I'm not gonna know about those six to nine months if I'm lucky in advance, especially when sports season starts rolling around, right? So it for me, at least where my priorities lie in my life, and I want them to in terms of business not being number one, which business used to be very high on my list because of the validation needs I had about success and my dad loving me and all those other things. That used to be very high, and so a lot of sacrifice would come at the expense of me putting my business there, missing things for my children. And at times that was necessary in my business, but I only, for me, I really justify that in the beginning when I committed to being gung-ho and getting out and doing those. And then it seeped into so many years where it was normal for me to start to miss things from time to time that that's where we're reeling that back in and we're really adjusting ourselves and understanding what are you going to give to make that a priority and uh for me for very many years now that the business has fluctuated on where the priority lies and so batch contenting um podcast worked really really well there's a lot of things that I ended up batching out uh, like I'll film videos a month in advance and so that way they're ready to go and they're uploaded so I don't have to film them every single day you can see the the convenience of having your hair and makeup and I mean if you identify with those types of things to present in your business 
especially for Volvo owners, because it typically is actually necessary to reach a response if you're not looking a certain manner and you want to exist as you are, to actually get onto FYPs and for the algorithm to spit you out, you might have to resemble a certain look. I'm just saying, like, if I rolled out of here with my non-tattooed eyebrows on and I didn't have this little chiseled little look and this little curl going on right meow, okay, and this cute little poker on top, um, the FYP might just slip me under the rug because I wouldn't be appealing to the masses, which is unfortunate, but I'm not concerned about that in terms of a look. I know what I got to do to bypass that so that you can start to hear the things coming out my mouth, okay? And maybe eventually I can rock a messy bun and no bra and get on and do a live and it'll still be as impactful, but we're not there yet, okay? So, um, the things that I, I don't even like know what, what are some of the biggest, I, I think just going to therapy. Well, actually, okay, let's beep, beep back this up, right? So going into this summer, it was really important to have a super strong head on my shoulders uh, around the business because you've been here before for a while. You probably have heard that like most seasons, most businesses will go through seasons of productivity and busyness. And for the line of work that I'm in with the sales side of my job that I'm, you know, phasing out of the best that I can as I continue in my service work, that line of work typically is slower in the summer and slower, ironically, in the winter months. And so it's spring and fall where I would usually be the busiest with that business. Uh, so that creates insecurity, of course, between those other months and so on and so forth. And so luckily, luckily, oh, you can't see me, but I'm reaching my, my hands behind this microphone and this phone because I just want to hug you so tight, friends. That's That's been through my mindset change, my mindset change about what winter and summer could be for my family and myself financially. Uh, to basically discovering what I needed to do to make the shift happen, that that wasn't going to be a quote-unquote problem for us, right? And so I'm so grateful to say that uh, I just had this revelation the other day, okay, that I I went, when I used to be full-time in the party business, I was doing a minimum of 15 parties a month. 15 parties a month doesn't sound that large when you're 4, 8, 12, but you're working 16 days a month at your full-time job anyway, if I did my math right, and I don't do very good math, but I was basically working a full-time job, and that wasn't a problem. I loved what I did, but sometimes I worked 18 nights a month, sometimes more, and sometimes I was doing doubles on Saturdays and doubles on Sundays, and so I was gone for entire weekends, and uh, that was exhausting. That was really tiring, but it was obviously very good money and very good networking, and then when COVID happened, and there was a giant halt in going into other people's homes. When COVID dissipated per se, um, parties were off the books. Like I didn't have to ask for a party. People were ready to get social. Uh, and we did, you know, the necessary means for that everybody felt comfortable as we walked back into homes and communities and other people's environments and things like that. Uh, but I went from doing 15 to 18 parties to like maybe eight. And then now in 2023, on average, I'm doing four to five, four, let's just say four to six, let's say four to six a month. And that was difficult because of course, like to me, less parties meant less money, but it, it didn't. It started to correlate where my party average was rising. Um, you know, repeat clients were coming back without necessarily me having to initiate a sale. Thank God. It was just when you needed something. And I'd gotten to a place where I created such a, um, 
a great relationship with my client base that I had enough people in the funnel that when they were ready for refills, that was basically supplementing me needing to go out to find a new person to offer to sell to or whatever. Thank God. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's weighed itself out. And then with picking up coaching services, that's also picked it up. So like, you know, I'm, I'm watching the scale tip and that's really magical. But having said that, I just knew that this summer I really wanted to be incredibly productive and I wanted to make sure that um, I was bringing in what I felt good about in terms of the finances, especially because I prepped my household for three vacations this year. And they were all well, – I, one of them was a staycation with Tony and I. One of them was a short trip for me with my girlfriends. And then one was a big, big, big family vacation. And those three happened within 60 days of one another. So that was pretty big deal. Uh, and so that was, that's a lot of time off for a self-employed person. And, uh, that's a lot of got to make things happen. And with the help of this wonderful community, cause it was my 10 year anniversary in business, we made it happen. It was amazing, but it's the conversation behind the, the, the stuff I was putting into work that we need to talk about because behind the scenes I was struggling I've been struggling for a while uh, I'm not to say that I'm out of the struggle bus woods yet but I absolutely I guess I want to talk about it so um, I would say that at the beginning of COVID is when this really started to dig its root so even though I was like mentally in a great space and business was going really well so on and so forth um <laughs> I stopped a lot of the things that I think a lot of people stop when you, when, when COVID happened, you know, I stopped going to the gym. Um, I started working out at home, but I stopped going to a gym and then eventually working out at home wasn't the same. So working out fell off, which then correlated to how I was eating. And, um, I stopped going to talk therapy, which was not a correlation to COVID. It was because of a different reason, getting married and changing insurances and stuff like that. So I went into COVID with no therapy which is one of my best modalities for personal development, healing, everyday life, managing emotions, whatever, whatever. But I did have a really good tool belt because I had been going to therapy for the better part of two or three years, but I went into COVID with just that tool belt with no other additional support. So there was a lot of things that happened. And sitting here where I sit now in 2023, I want to tell you that I, I if, if you had to put a woo-woo term to it, I went through a second dark night of the soul. And one, I didn't even know this could happen. Didn't even know that could happen. Like, first of all, when you don't even know anything about personal development, you don't even know, you know, what you don't know. And when I discovered self-awareness and I discovered how to implement change and I discovered anything and everything you can imagine um, to overhaul your life, because that's quite literally how I describe it and how people from the outside would agree. Like there was a major life shift that ha happened for me. Ugh. And that's when the empowerment class was born, of course. However, hmm, squirreled myself out. Welcome to it, Rachel. Welcome back to it. It's totally you. It's what you do, right? Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So being in this, being in personal development awareness, I had just had this conversation with somebody earlier today with all the love in the universe. There's some podcast episodes. I don't listen to them back. And with all due respect, it's just because I don't have the time. Like, if somebody, if somebody's like, I really like that episode that you put out, I'll be like, great, what did you like so much about it? Just so I can kind of, like, you know, join in a conversation with them. Um, I used to watch everything back. That was an insecurity, really. I just don't have the time to do it. I'm just pumping out content the fastest, as fast as I can here for you folks so I can get back to spending time with my loved ones. Okay, so... Um, once I had good footing, once I had positive change, once I had good momentum around all of the things, then I naively started to think that I was now impermeable to bad things. Now that was subconscious, 
what I was acting out in the reality was it wasn't necessarily I didn't think that bad things weren't going to happen. I didn't think they were going to happen to me. I understood they could happen to other people that were co-creating space with me. But I it's it's hard. It's hard to say embarrassing to admit because it almost feels I mean, it was ignorance, but it was definitely ego and it was pride. But the intention behind all that wasn't those. It was a positive you know, response. Like I want to tackle the world. I want to do the things. And so it's a very complex emotion to try to describe. But it was naive. And so when things started to get tough again after COVID, first of all, I think most of us probably just chalked it up to that. And I definitely think that my spiritual endurance was worn down by the environmental circumstances. I depleted any and all tools that I had, but I had no spiritual endurance left to carry me through to basically jumpstart the next leg of a journey, I guess you would say. So I definitely started to recognize that I was feeling a certain way and um, I was seeking resources. I was absolutely trying to get back into therapy and that ended up being probably a year and a half to journey to figuring out a resource that was going to work. And I just started again this year and it was probably at the very beginning of the summer, I think was when I had one of my very first sessions. Um, I already feel like, I mean, like the, the minute I got a session booked, I breathed a sigh of relief and I immediately felt better. I just knew without a doubt because of how powerful talk therapy had been for me in the first leg of everything I was going through that without a doubt that this was going to be something I had been needing in my life again. It just basically to me, it felt like breathing. It felt like the way you feel when you go to the gym and and I couldn't even really describe that to be honest. And so at my first session, that was it like this was what it felt. Um, you know, like uh, I will make light of this, but within like the first 15 minutes, there was a diagnosis. Like she's like, can we take a test together? Can we do an assessment? And I want to tell you two funny things. I think maybe one, only one that I can remember. So, um, I do highly recommend that if you're like, like I was very, I've always been transparent that everything that I thought about myself was, you know, through self-diagnosis, but it was also validated by my partner, like very lovingly, like, oh yeah, absolutely. I think you have some tendencies when it comes to ADHD or ADD, you know? And so, um, there's always been awareness. I'm, I, I'm smart, but I, I don't have a lot of common sense. I'm smart, but I'm, I'm pretty flighty and, uh, I, I can run a business, but it's choppy and I don't spell check <laughs> and many other things. So anyhow, one of the, one of the questions that my uh, counselor would have for me is, do you often forget where your car keys are or misplace things or blah, 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 blah. And I don't wish this was a joke because it's painfully funny. I had left my huge water jug that my emotional support water jug that I take with me everywhere. Thanks Charlene for buying it for me. I had left it in the waiting room. She literally said, we don't have to finish this assessment. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So that would be my unofficial diagnosis of ADHD. And between that first session of talking to her about that and going to my next session, my life was easier immediately. And it's, again, it's hard to explain because especially if you're somebody who's neurotypical, I don't know that you will get this or this will resonate with you, but one, I'm trying to stay away from labels because labels put you into a category and then they kind of make you feel a certain way. But saying a brain has ADD or is ADHD brain, like it's not a thing that you catch or you get what you, you know, friends, but, but it quite literally just means your brain is programmed differently and so to it, and again, it wasn't hearing her say, oh, yes, I, I do think that you have ADHD. It was the validation of things 
that she said about me or that resonated to me. Like your intention is never to be hurtful to people, but you forget things. Your intention is to be a very present person, but your mind is so distracted. It can't be in this moment. Your intention is to help the world, but your chitty chat mouth just keeps moving. She didn't say that one, but, but she did lead me to understand part of why I talk so fast and I very much enjoy creation through posting and podcasting and things like that because it's a stim. Like it should have made sense. I'm hyperverbal. I talk fast. I talk a lot, a lot. I don't like silence. I want to, I want to chitty chat chat all the time. It's a stim. So it's not, it's, if you do not know what that is, a stim is something that somebody does to self soothe. That's kind of unfortunate, right? It's kind of unfortunate that my self-soothing mechanism is to vocalize because not everybody wants to hear you talk all the time. <sighs> but I guess, you know, make it into your job, get paid for it, and then it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> but but it is. It's a stem for me. So it just, it was nice to be seen in, in the intentionality of my life is what it was. And so there was, it was, it wasn't night and day, but it was like night and later that night after I had that very first session. Uh, and actually kind of what I really want to talk about is this most recent session that I had, uh, because I, I've been struggling. I mentioned like, I've been struggling. I've been struggling. And here's some things like, I just need to give you some cliff notes, I guess, because there's no, there's no story linear path to getting to saying like a, B and C points as I want to tell you. I'm a recovering people who's, and I can't even define that because like once you say that, well, and you can choose to, no, again, label however you want to, but I don't want to say I'm a recovering people pleaser because it means that I slip up from time to time, which is what I do, but I'm going to label and code myself as a confident person who makes decisions based on what I need for myself first, safely. I know that's complex and it's wordy, but it's way better than being a people pleaser. (sighs) So some things that you need to understand about people pleasing, if this is you, you do it out of protection. You do it because it's not only easier for you to anticipate somebody else's needs, you were programmed to do it. You probably grew up in an unstable household, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an abusive household, but it could have been an inconsistent household that did not, you know, teach you basically what love and safety look like. And so then you probably had to either create it for yourself amongst yourself, or you had to create it for other people in your household because it felt unsafe amongst those people. So you wanted to appease and soothe them so it would minimize the chance that your boat was then rocked as well. So then you, of course, internalize that is that is how you would then love somebody when you get older basically okay so um that's where it starts right and when you get into being a chronic people pleaser as an adult even if you recognize that it's hard habit to break because the underlying problem becomes is that you probably don't even know how to recognize your own emotions feelings or needs and so if you don't know how to do that how are you even going to not make sorry how are you going to cultivate enough for self around value and worth that you can get to a level where you can establish boundaries with the outside world that you're not giving all your energy, time, and frequency away. So it, it's such a multi-layered onion, but that's why you do it is because you you think you'll be able to predict other people's needs, number one, and two, you don't have to address your own. You don't have to address your own, which is nice if you don't even know how to to begin with, but once you become more conscious, more aware, you start doing more work, of course, you're going to understand that emotions are part of the game. You cannot bypass them. If anything, that's one of the largest things that's hindering you right now is you haven't been feeling your damn emotions all your life. So once you become aware of needing to feel the emotion, it doesn't immediately make you good at feeling the emotion, 
you have to get good at learning how to recognize, first of all, what emotion are you feeling? And is that emotion the actual root of what you're feeling or is it a masking of some reason? Like I, t- I like to tell my kids very frequently that when a father figure in your life, especially, tends to get a little angry with you about something or anything, we have to remember that anger is almost always a secondary emotion. It's covering up fear. And fear, especially from your masculine father figures in your life, is usually because I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get lost. I don't want you to get broken. I don't want you to get any of those things. So my fear of your safety makes me angry at you for not thinking about how you could make me feel for not being safe. And that's what it really is, okay? So people-pleasing. You first have to identify the actual feeling and emotion that you're having. But then I want to say, well, we're going to say emotion because what we're going to move into feeling next, right? So you have to identify the actual emotion that you're feeling. And then the next block of that is where are you feeling it in your body? Because most of you don't, especially me, because, um, I think when you have your, you know, neuro spicy brains, you are also hypersensitive to things. Like, I think that's part of why I put my walls up because like, I didn't want to physically be touched by people. Um, it's too much. It's too much for me. And I didn't recognize that at the time. It was just easier for me to put my RBF on and like, don't touch me. Don't be by me. You know what I mean? So, um, let's call myself out. What was I going to say? That's like number three for this time. Okay. Let me take a little drinky break and maybe it'll come back to me. She did not. She did not. All right. So anyways, um, emotion and feeling, right? Feeling it in your body, actually feeling it in your body. So we, as people who have neurospicy brains, probably can't feel it per se in your body. You've detached. And I actually think, uh, can I make this? Okay. Can I make this diagram? I think that one of the things that's beautiful about a neurospicy brain, with all due respect, because I can't speak to neurotypical brains. So you can, you can you please expand upon your own experience. I'm not saying your experience is wrong. It's probably different, but it's not wrong. I just don't, I don't know it because it's not my life. But what I feel like as a neurotypical, as a neurospicy person, what I feel like is um, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a triangle in front of my face, right? Make it a triangle in front of my face. When you're neurotypical, it's like mind, body, soul all fit into that triangle. But when you're neurospicy, it's like mind is one triangle your body is another triangle and it's like six inches above that. And then your spirit is another triangle, which is like six inches above that. It's like they all coexist with one another, but they're not aligning into one full piece of shape, you know? So they look like this really dope symbol, but it's like, you're, that's why you're scatterbrained is because it's like all your pieces aren't exactly together, which is why you feel like your head is always in the clouds because your body is your physical grounding tool for this game but your head is up here and that's why you flighty okay and that's why you have a good time that's why you're high energy so i believe that there's some correlation to that there's some correlation to it so is this resonating can you tell me in the comments do you feel like any of this is like something that you get like oh i get it so if you have that separation like i was trying to visualize right if you have that separation it you're you're feeling your emotions, I'm sorry, your emotions are resonating up here in the soul level or even the non-physical level, let's just say that. Those are even usually thoughts too, right? But you detach from your actual body, then you can't even process to know where that fear is coming from, where this feeling is erupting from. And you would find patterns in those is that maybe in with anxiety, you might find that your heart's going to race and you feel some tightness in your chest. When you're feeling a low vibrational frequency energy, you're probably feeling sluggish and slow. And you might even feel it kind of like in your back or even in your, in your, your tummy, but not your gut, like your tummy, right? Like, so you have to get into that. So you go from emotions to feeling. 
and then to actually processing because what tends to happen over here in this cycle of the emotional feeling side of it is that it becomes icky nobody wants icky we don't like icky like we like to bitch about icky but we don't want to feel icky so we tell everybody our our sob stories i do it too so that i get it out of me right we don't like to feel icky so we try to grasp for the better feeling almost immediately and this is where addiction slides in very easily for people because if you were never taught emotions and feelings you don't want to feel an icky feeling so you go to your coping mechanism and everybody's got a form of addiction when we were children we're we're babies it's your pacifier it's your silky blanket it's your baba it's whatever you call it it's whatever you self-soothe around your face just like i have a kitten who's like three months old and he finds his favorite little blanket to like make biscuits on and he still does it he's nursing on a blanket right he's searching for comfort and safety because the safest place you've ever come from is the womb i think i already said that in this one episode right so it's important that we understand that when we don't feel a good feeling if we've never been Given permission to feel the bad feeling, stop that crying. Be a man. You cry about everything. God, get over it. Like any of those messages you might have received about big emotions, you know, when you were a little person who didn't understand those emotions and then you didn't have a safe space to express those emotions and then to even navigate those emotions. So you just buried them down deep and then you were told basically on the outside world that you would not be loved if you showed anything but gratitude and happiness and shiny, happy things. You're allowed to feel bad things. You're supposed to feel bad things. But when you start to feel those bad things and did not get that permission, you're going to run to your Amazon card and buy something. You're going to run to your cocaine dealer and do a little line, okay? You might call up a complete random stranger or your favorite hookup and just have some sex. You might sip on a little bit of coffee or a lot of coffee, or you might smoke a couple of, chain smoke a couple of cigarettes, right? Because the change in your body chemistry literally went from, didn't feel so good to, I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better, okay? I really wanted to feel up here, which was unconditional love, but I can't get there because I don't even know how, number one. But I also can't, I cannot jump from here to here in emotion. Like, you just know that. Nobody can. It's not that easy. You're going to have to climb and get there. So if you're here and you do the thing that self-soothes you and it ends up here, but not where you want it, it's still way better than here. You know what I mean? So that's how we get there. If we're never conditioned to feel the bad stuff or allow ourselves to feel the bad stuff, understanding that once the bad stuff is actually felt, it's just temporary and it will bypass through you. And then you can oh, think about children, by the way. Oh my gosh, we just have to go back to those sweet little babies because they're always trying to teach us lessons. If a kiddo falls, if they bruise their knee, if they break their favorite toy, most parents don't do this, by the way, but I'm going to tell you that my experience with my Olivia is that if you just let them feel it, they will get through it faster. If you try to shush them, if you try to tell them that they're wrong, it's going to make them feel a certain way about it. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I have had that in previous experiences with children. Then they're going to be reactive more, typically, right? So if you allow it to just ride the wave, they're going to spit it out. But if you ask them to stop it, stop it, stop it, and you meet them with angry energy or you meet them with just non-good energy, they're going to meet you back with non-good energy because that's what kids do. Don't expect them to understand their emotions. You're shouting at a three-year-old. You don't even understand your emotions. So that's the thing is that we don't know how to feel the emotions. We were never taught how to feel the emotions. And so we're just grasping at straws to trying to feel a little bit better. That's it. That's it. So when you get into your adulthood, that's what I was saying is really difficult around understanding you are a chronic people pleaser because that doesn't solve the problem by having the recognition. That's why labels quote unquote shouldn't matter. When I said that, like, I didn't want to get hung up on the fact that I have an ADHD brain. I didn't. I don't. It's not an excuse by any way, shape, or form. I still have to be a functioning adult in this society, which is difficult. I tell you what, but 
it's more about now I can understand self even better. Like some of the things, again, the, the very first day that my counselor like was helping me to understand about myself was that it was just recognition of the things I'd been fighting for so long because I thought something was wrong with me that I couldn't get my shit together. Okay. So in adulthood, one of the largest lessons I just picked up yesterday from my session was this. Okay. So one of the struggles that I was having in my marriage was, um, basically, well, I mean, can I even get into this? like compactly, I don't know. Like I was just having a struggle with us. And the, the far end of this is I told my therapist, like the thing that I was really having a hard time with is like, I had not felt any level of fear about losing my husband until I went through personal development. And I couldn't even understand that correlation on why that would happen. Prior to that, I never, never had thought about us not being together. It was never a notion in my mind. And the weirder thing after the personal development happened was that even ever, ever since that's awakening for myself, there's never been jealousy. There's never been infidelity. There's never been anything even remotely close to any of that. My husband's never told me no. My husband's never not supported me. My husband's never any of the things like he, him and I both know that one of my patterns is the story I'm telling myself, which I'm really good at making up stuff in my head about how he might think, react or say, even if I've never even mentioned it to him. So I know that and I'm working on it. Um, but all of that contribution to um, our relationship, basically. So why what was I still feeling lack, I guess, is what I was trying to understand with her. And in that moment, I also realized, I'm like, you know, something about needs and him being really good at, you know, just being a great partner or whatever. And I said, I think it started for me that when we first started dating short story, right? Like when we first started dating, it was only a couple months into it. Uh, and you know, we were like out for the very first time. And like, I think we went out of town for the very first time is what I meant to say. And he basically tells me that he knows exactly what it is that I want to do with my life. And I was like, what, like, what is it? And he proceeds to tell me. And it wasn't in a matter, it was just a matter of fact way. It wasn't in like, I know you better than you know yourself. It's not that I'm a man trying to save you as, as a woman. It was, I just, I can tell you want to do your business full time. You want to work for you and you want to have a family and you know, whatever, whatever. And I was just like, put a ring on my finger right now. Like I definitely knew that he was not only different and cut from a different cloth, but the subconscious little girl, especially in me immediately enveloped that this person knows me so well that he could anticipate my needs. And the reason this was such an important development is that prior to this relationship with my husband and every other relationship I'd ever been in, I was the dominant one. I made every single decision. I handled the finances. I drove the car. Now, again, granted, this isn't very fair because I had one primary relationship for 12 years, but there, it still is important because I basically was my father in every previous relationship. And while I'm not being my mom in this relationship, but I was not being my father. My fa I was actually becoming myself, right? Very important that I wasn't becoming my mom. I was being myself. But from that moment of showing me that he he could – it's not just me, by the way. I wish I could say that I'm special, but my husband's incredibly intuitive. Like, he can just anticipate people in general. Uh, but he would go on, obviously, then to show me several times through the decade we've been together, not only for self, but in other circumstances, especially with our children, to anticipate those needs. And so I, for me, that just kept compounding and compounding and compounding the expectation that he was going to know what I needed. And that's obviously not the here. Okay. I'm just gonna share this with you because like when we hit, had this revelation, so my therapist basically says, okay, so you expect your partner to know exactly what it is that you need when those needs change and how to execute them without you telling him 
And I was like, humbly, I was like, yeah, I think I am. And she says this. Wow. And I was like, yeah, wow. And I look at her and she literally goes, wow, again. And then we kind of were both like, wow. Okay, so that is just like, it was like, it it was what I needed. I understood this entire time that I was struggling in my marriage and I was the only one struggling because I wasn't vocalizing what I was going through, but I didn't know, know how to articulate it. But mostly I was feeling guilty because I didn't know why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. So she very, very well helped me to understand, which I would have been able to identify for my clients, by the way, because I did say that like part of the advice that I give my clients is that I need to be able to have the hard conversations with my partner and not be afraid that he's going to leave me because if he's leaving me, he's not my partner. I don't even think that's ever going to happen, but it's just the story that I tell myself. So I avoid the hard conversation because I don't want to lose what I have in exchange for something more, because that's what would come from it. If I'm pursuing a deeper rooted relationship and intimacy with my partner and they're not willing to give it to me and I end up getting it from somebody else, then that's still what I wanted, right? Like, oh my God, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is why I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to break up, I don't want a divorce. That's not what's happening, but that's the story that I run with in my head. So, okay, so when we beat me back that up to where I was, right? This revelation that we had was, so that's what had happened is that my previous relationships, I relied solely on myself. I was in such a hard protection mode based on being my father, based on seeing what had happened in their relationship and my dad leaving my mom and blah, 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 that I created and not just, by the way towards the end of their marriage that whole conversation I had about earlier about setting up a safe example environment for yourself that was my programming so I did that so well for myself as a child that I continued it through my teen years and then into even into my intimate relationships because you can't fuck with me if I am all that I need but when I got together with somebody who then gave me rewarded vulnerability and I, I actually grew in that relationship I started to quite literally get everything I'd ever wanted in life I put so much onto my husband to then be that person, the person I had been for myself. And I was, I could do it because anytime that a need changed, I knew what that need needed to be. Right. So I could just take care of it. But for him not understanding that my needs had changed and maybe, maybe, maybe not had changed. Uh, but even what I needed, I wasn't vocalizing that I was just making the assumption that my partner, because he had done it on more than one occasion would be able to do it a hundred percent of the time. Wow. Now, the reason I want I really want to talk about that, and, and by the way, the further point to that is that like a lot of the stuff that I was suffering in silence about is the chronic people pleaser in me because I'm walking on eggshells around my client or my client. <sighs> He's not my client. I'm walking on eggshells around my husband when he doesn't even need me to or know that I am because the chronic people pleasing in me is that I don't want to stir up a hard conversation, even if he would never even think it was hard, but it's hard for me. It's hard for me and I don't do uncomfortability. So I'm going to bypass all of that and just keep the peace between the two of us. So things are just hunky dory. They're status quo. the sense of relief though when I left that session I tell you what like it was just like it was what I needed to hear I understood that it was not him I understood that my pattern is the story that I'm telling myself I understood that there was a block somewhere that I didn't I didn't know why I was feeling a lack when I shouldn't be feeling a lack I was feeling guilty for feeling the lack so here we are. I'm feeling much better today, and I'm so grateful um, for my husband, and, and, and I can express that and, um, you know, really see the true amount that he contributes, and 
I'll, I mean, if I could just summarize that whole scenario there, which is not new, I'll say it again, that unverbalized expectations lead to resentment. So that's exactly what I was doing to myself is that I wasn't vocalizing my own needs, even when I knew that they had changed and shifted and then blaming my partner for not being a mind reader. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but that's the biggest lesson I think that so far to date that I wanted to give to you was I, that was probably two or three lessons in this episode, right? Was that you cannot pre-schedule your energy. Um, you should absolutely work towards getting a diagnosis if you think you might be ADHD. I shouldn't say absolutely because maybe you don't need that. Maybe you're low, maybe you're high functioning ADHD, but actually, yes. And the third thing was, you know, chronic people pleasing and then how, how in a great relationship you can still be self-sabotaging because that's what I was doing in a fantastic relationship, like the epitome of a relationship. Like this is the best thing I've ever been in. So what the fuck am I fucking it up? Because I, if I can self-sabotage it, I, I leave him before he leaves me, then I won't be unpredictable pain when he does leave me. (laughs) That's a little ego brain that's working out for you. Okay. So, um, I said that I had one more thing that I really wanted to leave you with. And now, now I don't remember. This is such a surprise. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, but we can get ready to wrap it up. If it comes back to me, it comes back to me for sure. But, uh, I am super excited. I hope you had a good time hanging out with me today. I hope you're sharing it with your friends. I hope you're finding other ways to connect with me. And, um, I hope you got some from today. Really, that's what I definitely am hoping for. So tune in next time for the next upload. We will be having some guests come back. I have some people from the beginning of quarter one that I was going to batch some podcast episodes with, but did never get to it. So we've got at least three or four people who are going to be coming on the show to talk about their life experiences and how they can contribute hopefully to yours or at least some visibility in what your identity might be so you can see yourself living your best life as well. So this was fantastic for me. I hope, well, I guess I, I've already repeated myself that I hope that you got something out of it too, but thanks for being here and thanks for listening really all right so uh, the link tree is always in somewhere that you can follow and connect in many many other ways and uh, from the bottom of my heart it means everything that you gave me an opportunity to be in some space with you i hope that you found some value from this and that uh, we'll see you at, at another time basically all right so thanks for being here have a great day i love your face but oh it's been so long that i usually wrap it up with stay happy stay healthy and wash your hands there we go Bye-bye.